Welcome to Kingdom Insight with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to help you discover treasures and truth from God's Word and also give you deeper insights and understanding of the character and nature of God. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba Charles. Thank you very much for joining us once again in our second session as we continue to look at the book of Romans. We were looking at uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The statement that Paul made that is so profound and uh, we discovered why Paul had to make to make that statement. It was because um, one would be ashamed in that culture of that day. One would be ashamed to follow a Messiah uh, who was crucified because only criminals were crucified on the cross. So to the Jews, that was a and he was the, the Messiah was a stumbling block because he was uh, not the one they expected. A crucified person on the cross was uh, despised. Uh, only criminals could be crucified. And later on, to have a Messiah crucified, that became tough to swallow, tough to accept, tough to even acknowledge because uh, they wanted a military Messiah, a hero that would fight physically. So we understood to the Jews he was a stumbling block to the Gentiles it was a foolishness to the Romans a Messiah who is crucified that is foolishness what kind of a Messiah was that so as Paul was making that statement as we looked at in our last segment and I encourage you if you did not uh, listen to the last segment to go to that last segment and understand exactly what Paul was talking about and you're going to understand the power of the salvation and why we should not be ashamed of uh, the cross. So we're going to continue picking up in the same uh, uh, line of um, why would one be ashamed of the gospel. We're going to look at uh, Romans, you know, in, in, sorry, in Romans 8, 6, verse 6 to 8, Paul gave the most comprehensive development of our union with Christ and the Spirit work in us. In Romans chapter 9 verse 11 on the role of uh, Paul uh, uh, talked about uh, the role of Israel in uh, God's plan and has been called uh, the key to understanding the Bible. And then uh, also in Romans uh, chapter 13, uh, uh, this is a classic New Testament passage on the Christian's relationship and duties to the state. Romans uh, in Romans chapter 14 verse 15. Uh, uh, let's just look at uh, Romans 14 here uh, for just for a second here, for a quick second. Because Paul is outlining all these things. He says, uh, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. You know, sometimes we don't, even when we know people are wrong, even when we know their, you know, theology is way off, it is not in us to argue with them, but we are to... Um, to help them see the light of God by demonstrating in within our lives the character of God. And that is how we get other people on board because if God's character and nature shapes my life and you are able to see the glory of God in everything that I do in my life, in my personal relationship with people, you will wonder and ask, what makes this guy this way? And then you discover that it is because when you believe right and when you 
study right and when you study the word of God in its context, you begin to understand things at a deeper level. So that's what Paul was saying here. And he says in 13, because we belong to, to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in a sexual proximity and immoral living or in a quarreling and jealousy. So Paul is outlining out our salvation here. What has happened? We are saved now. We have to leave all the things that uh, holds, was holding us back, the things we were slaves to. And this is not an easy task. It's a progress, progressive life. We have to leave from faith to faith and get into from glory, I mean into glory to glory. But it doesn't happen once. We begin to recognize all those things. Some Sometimes, you know, there, our weaknesses can try to rise up, but we need also to understand God is there with us as we facing all these challenges of um of the pressure. So Paul is just talking here in 14. He says, uh, instead clothe yourselves with uh, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. He says, uh, clothe yourselves with the presence of God. Clothe yourselves with the presence of Jesus Christ. What are you clothing yourself? You're clothing yourself with the humility of the Messiah. You're clothing, your, clothing yourself with uh, the presence of who Jesus was and uh, and when we we you know the other scripture says in the bible that we have to have the mind like the mindset that jesus christ had so all these are very 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 important so Jesus Christ is the center of the gospel. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus Christ as the center of uh, the gospel. Paul shows that there is harmony between the gospel and the law. In that the law bears wit a testimony or witness to, to, a, to, to a righteousness which is by faith. A righteousness which is by faith, righteousness was contrary to the teachings of the Pharisees. They tried to establish their own righteousness by works through the law. Listen, you can give or you can give to, 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 to charities. You can do all these good stuff and you, it can't make you right with God. It is a good thing and God, you know, delight in us being generous. But you can give all you can give and still miss out on a good relationship with God. Because what makes us right in right standing with God is the salvation of Jesus Christ. As you can see here, the Pharisees wanted uh, salvation, you know, uh, uh, to achieve their righteousness through their works. Look at uh, Romans chapter 9, uh, Romans chapter 9, verse uh, 32, 33, it says this. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. And why is that that, that uh, when you try to abide to some laws, it doesn't succeed? Here's the reason. The law was not bad. The law was not all that bad. And the law was important actually because it showed us as a mirror how far we had fallen from God. 
But the reason why they would fail to keep those laws, it was because their love was not in the God who made the law. If you love God, then you're going to love his instructions. That word law it simply means instructions. So these struggled to follow the law because they had not fallen in love with a God who made the law. So until you realize that you got to fall in love with the God who makes these laws, you can never achieve what his instructions really is all about. So what does God does? He says, okay, before you fall in love with me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fall in love with you by sending my son, Jesus Christ, to die for you even though you are still in sin. Then you can know, you know this, if somebody was to demonstrate that level of love for you, they just loved you for who you are, they helped you without you know, expecting anything in return, you would fall in love with them. And that is what it is all about. To follow God, it is not about instructions. It is not about the law. It is not about uh, the do's and don'ts because you can still follow the do's and don'ts and you will fail in doing them because you haven't failed in love with the God who made those laws. So Paul is outlining here. He said, they Jewish people of that day, they failed to succeed in following after God by following the law. They needed to follow the heart of God. So here, why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law. In, 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 instead of, of by trusting him, they stumbled over the great rock in their path. God honed them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. It's talking about Jesus Christ here. Because it became a stumbling block. A Messiah would die. A Messiah would be crucified. So they stumbled in that because it did not look like uh, the law. They thought they could achieve their way to God by doing what? By just following the law. So Paul is uh, really going in depth over the word of God here. So they stumbled over the stumbling stone, the Messiah, and did not believe in him. As you can see in Isaiah uh, 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 verse 8 and uh, 14, I just want us to read. It's a Bible study, so bear with me. We need to get it right. We need to look into the word of God. So Isaiah uh, uh, of chapter 8 verse uh, 14 here. Let's just go there quickly. It says, um, he will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, it will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, it will be a trap and a snare. Why is it talking about Jesus like this? It is because, again, a Messiah who would die on the cross like a criminal was not worth a Messiah in their eyes. They were expecting a military Messiah. So it was like, how do I believe a person like this who is uh, crucified? So he became a stumbling block. He became a stumbling block. So Jesus himself warned Israel that they, they, that they missed the stone. He talked about this in Matthew 21 verse 40, 42 to 44. 
We got to understand here what Jesus was laying down here was that righteousness is only found and gained through uh, following Jesus Christ, accepting, putting your faith in there. Even when you do your works, if you give for the sake of giving without the love of the Father in you, you have already missed out. We give because he has already given us. So we give from above why he has already given us so we demonstrate now his character through our lives by reaching out to others so we got to understand even saving even ministry wise you can do it just because you know you, you you've gone to Bible college or you feel you you are called you can do it away from the heart of God and the heart of God must be demonstrated in everything we do so Paul was making this right on for us to understand and then he talks about faith he talks about saving faith as as he goes into this uh, righteousness because uh, righteousness goes hand in hand with faith and you can't uh, live in faith without uh, understanding uh, God has made you right with him so these two went hand in hand and Paul talks about saving faith and I want us to look at this here so the question would be what is faith what is faith faith is a word with many meanings we need to look at the depth of this I know it's the things of you know things opt for and stuff like that but let's go to the study here faith is a word with many theme meanings even the pagans are faith even the the wicked ones are faith it can sometimes mean a faithfulness. You can be faithfulness, your faith, you know, you can have faithfulness in the wrong place. Uh, uh, let's, let's look at a Matthew 24 verse, um, just quickly here, Matthew 24, Matthew 24 verse uh, 45. Matthew 24. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and uh, feeding them. Did you hear that? A faithful, so it, faith, faith can mean a faith, faithfulness. Faithfulness, that's what we're talking about here. And it can also mean absolute trust as shown by some of the people who came to Jesus for healing. Absolutely trust, where they absolutely trusted God. So faith can either mean faithfulness, or it can also mean absolute trust. Luke chapter 7, verse 2 here. At that time, the, 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 high, the, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick, and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue. So Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer said, Send some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy for such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I, am only, I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come, and if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When 
Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to the crowd that was following him, and he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer friends returned to the house, to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Here is what uh, that Roman, uh, 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 the, the, the Roman uh, officer was doing. The Roman officer was putting absolute trust in the words that Jesus would speak. That is faith. So faith sometimes means what? Absolute, sorry, faith, it can mean absolute trust or faithfulness. So here, in this case, the Roman soldier had absolutely trust in the words of Jesus Christ. He understood the power of the words. So he told Jesus, I have trust. I have trust in your words. You can just say the word and uh, your servant will be healed. So he was elevating his uh, faith to the level of just trusting. So faith is just trusting and faith is uh, remaining faithful, faithfulness to God. So it can mean also confident hope. Faith can mean confident hope as we see in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 11. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, uh, um, Verse 1 there, you will see exactly what we're talking about here. Let's just read that. We're doing a Bible study, so bear with me. Hebrews, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, says this. Faith is the confidence that we hope for. So faith is the confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in the words of the Messiah. Because when he speaks... Healing happens. When he speaks, deliverance happens. When he speaks, the storms are calmed. When the Messiah speaks, every situation in our lives ceases to be. So faith is what is the confidence that, that, we, that we hope for will actually happen. So the, the, the Roman soldier there, he had faith in the words of God, so in the words of Jesus. And he said, if you speak, I know it will happen. So I have confidence in you. So faith is uh, faithfulness. Faith is uh, absolute trust. And faith is uh, confident hope. Confident hope. James points out it uh, uh, it can even mean a, 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 a strong belief, sorry, a barren belief that does not result in good deeds. So faith also can actually, you can have faith in, uh, 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 you can have faith that things won't happen and things won't happen. So faith is so powerful because it is the trusting of what you see. It is the confidence in what you want to see happen. So you got to understand when you talk about faith like Paul is talking about faith saving faith he's just talking about complete trust in the word of God complete trust in God's word complete trust in, uh, in, 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 in the word of God that is what faith is all about faith is trusting what God has said in his word faith is uh, not doubting what he says like a Roman um, uh, uh, officer he said just speak your word I know your words are powerful I just trust the word I know this as an officer when I say something my, my people goes and they do it and you as the Messiah, when you speak, healing will happen. So, 
what does Paul then mean uh, when in, uh, 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 in Romans he speaks of saving faith? Because he's talking about saving faith. What, is, what does Paul mean here? We must uh, be very careful to understand faith as Paul uses the word here in the book of Romans. Because uh, he ties the faith so closely to salvation. Paul ties the faith so closely uh, uh, to salvation. It is not something we must do in order to end salvation here. If that were true, the, then faith would be just one more deed, one more deed, sorry. And Paul clearly states that human deeds can never save us. That's what he says in Galatians chapter six, verse uh, uh, chapter two, verse sixteen. Instead, faith is a gift. God gives us because he is saving us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, you can see that. It is God's grace, not our faith, that saves us. So we, it, is, it is God's grace that saves us, but we put our hope and trust and confidence that in the grace of God, that his grace has saved us. His grace is saving me. His grace is molding me. His grace is what is changing me. So that is what it is all about here. In, in, in God's mercy, however, when he saves us, he gives us a faith, he gives us faith, a relationship with his son that helps us become more like him. Through faith, he gives us what? He carries us from death to life. As you can see in John chapter 5 verse 24, we're not going to go there. So even in the Old Testament, grace, no deeds, was the basis of salvation. The Old Testament people did not also believe strongly that uh, their deeds could save them, even though they tried to do that. It was still the grace of God that would save mankind. As Hebrews 10 verse 4 points out, it is not possible for the blood of the bulls and the gods to take away our sins. God intended for his people to look beyond the animal sacrifices to him. But all too often, they instead put their confidence in fulfilling the requirements of the law. That is performing the required, sac the, the, the required sac sacrifice. When Jesus triumphed over death, he canceled the charges uh, that was upon us. The charges or the penalty of sin. And opened up the way to us, to the Father. Because he is merciful, he offers us faith. He, he, he offers us faith to trust in the salvation, to trust that God has made us saints. You see, you can be told you are a saint of God until you are able to put your confidence in the righteousness of God or the one who has set you apart. You may fail to acknowledge that you have been sanctified, you have been forgiven, you have been cleansed, you have been uh, you know, uh, uh, changed by God. So, we can never come to God through our own faith any more than his old, uh, any more than his Old Testament people could come through their own sacrifices. Instead, we must accept his gracious offer with thanksgiving and allow him to plant the seed of faith within us. So, faith is absolute trust. Faith is absolute confidence. Faith is absolutely trust in what God has spoken 
and in the word of God. Faith is complete trust in the righteousness of God. True faith exalts what God has done and not what we do. True faith admits that we can't keep the law or fully measure up to God's standards. We need his righteousness to measure up to his holiness. True faith is based on our relationship with God, not on our performance for God. True faith eliminates the pride of human effort because a faith is not a deed that we do. Faith is absolute an acceptance of the grace of God. Faith not, uh, faith, not law, requires the promises. You see, the account of God's promise to Abram first issued when God called him to leave his home in Haran, uh, 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 Genesis chapter 12, verse uh, one to three there, and renewed they elaborated on a, renewed and elaborated on a several occasions was certainly familiar to the Roman Christians. What is interesting, however, is how Paul explains how God's promises to Abram or to his descendants would be inherited, not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. As you can see in uh, Romans, I just want us to go, Romans chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. Clearly, God's promises to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law. It had nothing to do with him following the instructions, I mean, the, 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 the law of God. As if, if that is good, but it was nothing uh, to do. The promises was not dependent on that, but look what it was dependent on. But on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. How do you have the right, a right relationship with God? It is by faith, by placing your faith, by placing your faith in the grace that God has given, by putting your trust in God. If God's promises is uh, only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, necessary and the promise is uh, pointless. So, faith is required. It's not by obeying. Actually, you should obey God's law or God's instruction because of your faith in the God who made those instructions. But what brings the promises of God to pass is by putting our faith in God. So, many of Paul's Jewish uh, people of that day taught that Abraham's statue and the role had much to do with his obedience to the law of Moses. Paul refuses this idea. People thought because of Paul's, uh, I mean, uh, Abraham's obedience to the law, then he was made prosper, but it was by faith. In Galatians chapter 3, where he engages, Paul engages in a similar argument, he explains that it was Abraham's faith. Not the law that played a role in God's promises. Our point here is this. It is not by keeping those uh, laws that will lead you to get to where you go. Because you will fail to keep those laws if you don't have the God who made the laws. So the promises to Abraham had nothing to do with the law of Moses because the law was given 430 years after Abraham. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 17 there. 
The promises did not come because people obeyed the law, but through the righteousness that comes by putting our trust in God. In Romans chapter 4 verse 14 to 5, Paul explains why Abraham and those who came after him could never have inherited God's promised blessings through the law. It was difficult for them to keep the law. He points out that faith has no value and the promises is worthless if it is. He points out that faith has no value and the promises is worthless if it is achieved by the law's demands. Paul here is more likely making a simpler point if the fulfillment of the promises depends on obedience to the law, it will never happen for people can never obey the law adequately. What is Paul is trying to do here is to encourage people. You have to fall in love with God. That is what brings these promises to pass. In closing here, we'll pick up our topic on as we continue on this topic is that those who live by the law or try to base their hope of blessings on doing what the Mosaic law demands are missing out because it is by faith in the righteousness of God that we secure or obtain every promise. Every promise in your life is obtained by putting your faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for joining me this week on this segment. We'll continue next week again. I just pray the blessing upon you and may God watch over you and bless you indeed as you continue to stand on the word of God. God bless you. Shalom. Thank you for watching Kingdom Insight. Dr. Kazumba Charles has written some powerful and insightful books that will help you discover treasures and truth of God's Word and also give you a deeper understanding of the unchanging character of God. For a love gift of $20, our office will send you one of the following books written by Dr. Kazumba Charles. The Parables of the Kingdom, Revisiting the Foundations, The Weapon of Forgiveness, or Discovering the Power of God in You please go to www.kazumbacharles.org to give your love gift. Your love gift will enable Dr. Kazumba Charles to continue to preach the good news of the kingdom. Thank you for your generosity.